name is Sanjali Ganesh. I'm a digital media specialist for the STEM eYouth Career Development Program. Welcome to the 11th episode of the STEM eInterviews. Hello everyone, I'm Nidhi Parikh. I'm a life science content creator and strategist in the life sciences niche. Um, I usually write content for life science companies um, through uh, my own life science writing company called The Shared Microscope. Cool. So first question, can you take us through your background, where you started and how you got to where you are now? Um, sure. So I initially started um, in the sciences niche. So I um, started off uh, with a degree in biomedicine uh, from the University uh, of East Anglia in Norwich. Uh, after that, I converted to the field of law. Uh, so I studied the graduate diploma in law, which is like a shortened version of a of, of the law degree. So instead of three years, it's about eight or nine months, which, by the way, I do not recommend. It's great, but it isn't. It's 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 very 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 stressful. Um, so I did that. Then I practiced in law for a couple of years, uh, two three years, um, as a paralegal. Um, and then while I was working in the field of law, I had a little bit of a breast cancer scare. Um, and then I was also working in occupational disease. Um, so through that, I could see a lot of medical records for patients because that was part of my job. Um, and during that time, I started to learn more about how there was a huge communications gap between what the doctor said to the patient and what the patient actually took away, um, you know, as a message to go home. Um, so initially I started the shared microscope, just like a passion project. It was to narrow the gap, like the communications gap between doctors and patients or what's going on in the laboratory versus what people generally know about. Um, and then throughout the pandemic or just before the pandemic, so February time, uh, I started writing quite consistently about covid you know at that point i remember everybody was asking questions like is this just the flu you know is this going to be a pandemic are we going to see a problem with this um so i was already writing about all this when these questions were out there um i and then fortunately because i was being quite consistent of it i had like about throughout the year last year i had about thirty thousand people uh come on and check out my blog post which Right now, there's a lot about like COVID-19 vaccines, um, a lot about, you know, alternative therapies. Um, so how, for example, in some countries they were using blood plasma, which uh, I think now they're no longer using because I think the World Health Organization as well as the FDA was like, okay, this is not really working. Uh, so I did quite a lot in that space anyway, uh, from, from just before COVID, um, to about now but in january um i decided to quit my career in law because i was enjoying science writing and science communication a lot more uh, so i quit that and permanently went into this side of the field like the field of communications things like that um so yeah that's in short that's my background so in regards to science communication could you tell us what that is uh, yeah, so science communication um, is just communications for science. Uh, so there's two different types. There's what we call inward facing science communication or inreach, which is what 
scientists would do among scientists. So say if you're applying for a grant for research, um, you would use inward facing science communication. If you were going to um, a big presentation um, for um, for vaccine hesitancy or or the COVID-19 vaccines or, or something that's like, you know, this is what's going on in cancer research, then that, that would be more kind of inward facing. Whereas outward facing uh, science communication, which is the second arm of it, um, is more about raising awareness about the science for everyone. So this could include uh, talking about what's happening in the laboratory and translating it for to for the general audience. So we see a lot of this during the pandemic. So it's, you know, that um, Moderna might release something or Pfizer might release something. And then you see like a lot of newspapers, uh, a lot of bloggers like myself, we start dismantling that information into bite-sized chunks for the general audience. Uh, so that would be inward reaching science communication. But like I said, there's those are like the main two types, you know, it's either communication within within the science communi community or communication outside of the science community to raise awareness about different things that are happening inside the science community. So that's just kind of generally science communication. Um, and then you could do the communication in different formats. So you could have, for example, a podcast or a blog or, or a presentation or whatever, which is within, which is for scientists by scientists. And you can have the exact opposite in the sense of is the same mediums being used to communicate to the general public. So, so loads, loads of things that you can do within science communication is just, it's not a one thing or the other type of thing. It's, it's just a whole big massive um, area in itself. So could you take us through the process of how you started the shared microscope? Um, so like I mentioned before, I kind of stumbled upon it because of my own experience with uh, my breast cancer scare. Um, you know, I when I had my scare, um, I didn't see a lot of advertisements or anything representing me as a person, um, like as a person of color, as a brown person. It was, you know, we always talk about how people of color have higher rates of cancers and, you know, how in people of color, cancers are found in, in the late stages. Um, and like, usually people would put it down to, oh, they don't have the right education or, you know, they would make excuses for it. Um, but personally for me, like, I don't, like that seemed like an excuse for themselves because I know all the facts. I know everything there is to know about that particular form of cancer, i.e. the breast cancer. Um, I was actually reading a book about it as well um, when I found the lumps and then, you know, going into the hospital took me a good six months, which it shouldn't take, you know, but it took me six months to get over that hurdle that I had for myself. It wasn't like a barrier that was caused by a healthcare system. It was just me and myself, you know, there's there's so many reasons why people don't go to the doctors. You know, it could be taboo. It could be a cultural thing. It could be, you know, they probably just don't understand that it's something bad that they need to go to the doctor for. Um, so that experience that I had, plus seeing that, it, plus seeing through my law career um, 
how there were a lot of patients that would go into the doctor's office and be like, hi doc, I can't seem to manage my blood sugar. I don't know why, um, you know, I've literally not had any sugar all day. I don't see why my blood sugar should be so high. Um, and then the doctor would just kind of go through the whole, you know, what have you been eating? What have you been drinking? So this poor guy, like the patient is just kind of explaining that he's gone to the, um, he, he's, he's had his coffee this morning, didn't put any sugar. It tasted disgusting, but he had it black so that there would be no sugar in it because that's what sugar is, right? And then he was like, yeah, so I had sugar. I had a little bit of bread. And then the doctor was like trying to figure out what was it that was causing his high blood sugar. Um, and then on this particular instance, it was like, the doc was like, oh, you know, have you had anything else to eat and drink? And then um, this patient goes, oh yeah, I just came from the pub. I just had a pint or two of alcohol, but I made sure it wasn't the sweet kind because uh, I have to reduce my sugar. And then the doctor had to explain to the patient that, you know, sugar is not just the sweet kind, it's it's carbohydrates, and then it goes into the science of it. And I think experiences like these, so my own personal experience and being kind of the third party in an experience, um, that kind of made me want to start writing and communicating the science and the health aspect of, 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 of what's going on in our body. Um, and I started the shared microscope in that sense. So yeah, it was to raise awareness, I guess. And then it became a full-time thing. Yeah, that's so great. So inspirational. So like, what do you do on a daily basis now, like in science communication? So I have a variety of tasks that I work on almost daily. So this could be something as simple as doing research, uh, writing blog posts, writing Twitter content, writing Instagram content. Uh, for some clients, I'll, uh, you know, write the tweet out and then give them directions as to what kind of audio or video or uh, infographic they should have. So like it would be, I won't necessarily design it for them, but I'll give them pointers to design it themselves. Uh, so I do quite a bit of that. Um, but I would say like my work is kind of, it encompasses a lot of things. So there's the science, obviously. Uh, there's also, well, the science and health. There's also a little bit of PR, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of communications. Um, but generally speaking, it's connecting the dots within science uh, with scientists as well as like the general public. So it's a lot of communications, awareness, just bringing people on board, trying to explain to them what's going on trying to see what questions they have, finding the answers for them. So I do quite a bit of that. So it's literally anything that you can imagine that requires you to communicate an idea or a fact. Um, I would potentially be doing that. Um, yeah. So have you ever gotten to travel for your work? Or uh, so personally, uh, formally, no. Um, but like I said, like I only started, so I started this in 2018 um which was just kind of as a passion project so it was never meant to be more than that but fortunately it is i love it i'm not complaining uh but then covid really propelled my career in the forward direction um but then most of what i've done is during covid it's been over the past two years that i've been quite successful at what i do um so considering what's going on around the world right now with covid and everything i haven't uh, had the chance to travel for my work, but 
I have been quite fortunate to lecture about science and science communication and the COVID vaccines um, at a number of institutions, more specifically universities in the US and Canada. Um, so that way I've been quite fortunate. Um, but strictly traveling, no, I have not done that, but communicating with wider audiences outside of the UK, yes, that I have done, um, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, the COVID pandemic, like there wasn't, there were a lot of travel restrictions, so there wasn't much room for you to travel there, but I hope yeah. you travel in the future, um, like, because I know though, it'll be really great for that. Oh, I really, really hope so. I would love to travel for like communications type work. Oh, would love it. That's the dream. <laughs> Yeah. So, so far, I know you started in 2018. What do you like the most about um, science communications? For me, it is, I can see already that I'm making a difference. Like for my blog post, for example, to have a readership of 30,000 people based on which, you know, we're like, so based on the blog post, I've been able to get more clients that I would like to work with. Um, I've also been fortunate to um, work with clients that are really passionate about the work that they do. So it's really nice because their passions and my passions are very much kind of intermixed. Like we work perfectly together because what they're passionate about is also what I'm passionate about. Um, so I absolutely, absolutely love working for the clients that I'm working with because honestly, in my mind, they're dream clients. Like earlier today, I was I was talking to a friend and I was letting them know, like, I have to almost pinch myself to remind myself how good it has been uh, for me. Like I did get COVID earlier this year. So last year, last month I got COVID. And like ever since, maybe since I've quit my job and I've had COVID, I've just been so thankful and so grateful. And I know this sounds like a cliche, but I've been so grateful to be working with the clients that I'm working with, like, I've been really, really, really fortunate to work with clients that I'm 100% sure about. Um, I absolutely love what they do. Um, and it's just nice seeing them make a difference because it's what I do for them that has helped them make that difference. So, you know, you can see quite, quite quickly, you can see how much of a difference you're making. So even with my blog post, you know, 30,000, a readership of 30,000, um, I also had a vaccine newsletter, so I would get a lot of people asking me questions via email saying, you know, I really like this. However, this is a question I have. Can you help me with this? Um, and then a lot of my friends who are vaccine hesitant or who weren't 100% sure about the vaccines, um, even with them, like one of my friends the other day, we were just at dinner um, and she was like, Nidhi, honestly, I would not have gotten the vaccine if it weren't for you. Um, because she was reading the blog post that I was writing. Um, if she had any questions, she could come to me. If her parents had any questions, they would come to me. So her parents started sharing my my newsletter and my um, my blog post as well. So it was quite, it's just heartwarming. Um, and I absolutely love that about my career and my profession today. Um, yeah. <laughs> now looking at the complete other side of the spectrum is there anything that you dislike i don't hate anything about my job i absolutely love it but um i think what i'm not liking is having to turn down some projects that i really like 
um, because say for example I'm really booked or um, say I'm not 100% sure about what they're doing um, you know you have to know what you're writing about you have to like obviously I, I'll do the research and the great thing about what I do is you research what you don't know and you get paid for it you know so it's fantastic but there's only so many hours in a day so say if for example you have five clients and you have your hands hands full and somebody else comes in and you prefer their work over the five clients that you've got then you can't really let go of a client to make room for that client um so that's something that i personally find quite difficult but if a client really wants to work with you they will wait until you have availability so that's that's a nice thing as well um but like i said currently um uh, i'm not liking having to turn down projects that i really like i mean i haven't turned them down yet but you know when you start getting busy and you're and you're like mm, if somebody comes around now i'm gonna have to press pause on that particular person um and i think sometimes it, it's a shame but gotta do what you gotta do I guess there's there's only so many hours in a day and it's it's a shame that there's only 24 hours in a day um but you can't be working all the time so yeah yeah if only we had like this superpower where we could stay awake like all day <laughs> oh all day every day but even then you know 20 like say you stay awake 24 hours a day great you're doing the work mm -hmm. but still there's only 24 hours in the day do you know what I mean? So it's like, oh yeah, I've got 24 hours, I'm going to do the work, and then a fifth client or eighth client or 10 millionth client comes in and it's like, hey you, we really like what you've been doing, do you want to work with us? I'll pay you X, Y, Z, and you're just kind of like, I really like your project. There's only 24 hours in a day, my 24 hours are book solid, how do I add you in? Do you know what I mean? Like there's always, there's, time is of the essence, so Sometimes you have so much time and no and so little work and other times there's so much work, which is great. I'm not complaining about having a lot of work. It's just, I need more time. I just need more time. Um, but like I said, I absolutely love it. It's, it's a good problem to have, I guess. And I absolutely love what I do. Um, so I can't complain that much. And I know time is probably quite a challenge. Are there any other challenges that you faced in your job? I think there are some challenges that almost everybody in freelancing will tell you about. Like some days you'll have a lot of leads for clients. Other days, like literally two weeks ago, I was complaining to one of my friends and I was like, oh my God, I have no work or I have close to no work. Like I have a lot of availability. Um, and then last week I had two meetings and I'm like, oh my God, where am I going to make time for this? So it just changes literally overnight. Everything can change. Um, and again, a good problem to have, uh, probably some bad problems to have, or, you know, if a client's being too nitpicky and they're like, Ooh, we don't like this. We wouldn't do it this way. Um, this is not how I would write it. Or some clients are like, here, can you do this for free? Uh, you know, that's something that most writers, most content creators will tell you about because it's it's not good for people to come up to you and be like, hey, can you do this for free? Other times there are clients who are like, I'll pay you $3 an hour, which is never okay. But when you're living in like the US or the UK or like a country where you have high expenses, like I live in London, 
my rent can be anything up to $2,000 easily. Like the average rent is about $1,500 in London anyway. So when you have that client going, oh, I'll pay you $3 an hour. This is what somebody else has offered. You're just kind of like, sure, they would have offered that. But they're, they have different expenses because they're probably in a different country. So it probably makes sense for them to take that on. But you can't just be like, oh, that person's paid. That, that person is more, um, it, it is paying, you know, is charging like, three times less than what you're charging. How's that fair? That person has a PhD or that person has like a double doctors or I'm like, okay, I understand that. But at the end of the day, we live in different countries. So the costs of living are completely different. Uh, that's something that I've come across quite a bit as well. Uh, some people ask for free samples. Um, the entire freelance community does not like that because um, if you've got clips, the client should be able to figure out based on that clip whether or not you're a good fit. And if they can't figure it out, they should do a paid test item, like a test article or or test infographic, that kind of thing. Um, but again, I do not dislike what I'm doing. It's just, you know, every once in a while, they'll be that, oh my God, what the hell is going on, you know? But, but yeah. it's okay. It's part and parcel of life, you know? So, yeah. 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 So has there been anybody that has helped you guide you like through this process or do you, anybody you've worked with or worked for who you admire? Uh, I've been fortunate and I've had quite a lot of help in a way. I've got, um, for example, I've had a friend who uh, when she's overbooked, she'll kind of like hey Nidhi are you interested in this project and then she may send that particular client to me um I've also um been quite fortunate in creating a community of science communicators on Twitter um so a lot of I can find a lot of leads through there um as well and again you know most importantly it's finding that client who absolutely believes in what they do for example I have um I know someone who's started um, a company for gut health um, and his story is he himself had a lot of gut problems growing up, um, which meant he can't enjoy some foods and some drinks. And, you know, if you've got a health issue, it affects everything that you do. Um, and he I'm really interested in working with him, for example, absolutely love what he does. He knows where he's coming from because he's been there. He's done that, you know, like it gives him, it gives him a quality that makes me want to really help out and create something from what his experience has been. So from his experience, he's creating like a supplement company for, for gut health. Um, and I absolutely love what he's doing. Um, and I'm hoping to sign him up as a as a client, but I still haven't done that. Fingers crossed on that one. Um, but it's it's things like that, you know, when you when you see that the patient is the creator of something and is creating something to better other people's lives, that just kind of it it just makes it all so real. Um, I've got somebody else I know who's um, so so. My parents as accountant, for example, um, they work with a lot of life sciences companies. Uh, and recently I just saw that 
she'd liked something on LinkedIn, for example, and I was like, oh my God, this sounds like a really nice opportunity. Um, and it was as simple as like, she didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what she was doing in a way. Um, but I saw what she liked and I contacted the the person who, who put out this particular post looking for a life science um, social media manager. And I was like, ooh, that looks interesting. So I contacted them and, and now I'm waiting to hear from them as well. So like leads come in the weirdest of places, but just kind of putting yourself out there and just having a community of of, of people that know what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, I think that makes all the difference and that that's really, really good. So I would definitely recommend anybody who is interested in science communication to have a community around them. Uh, either build it yourself or feel free to, if I may say, join the one that I've created on Twitter. Um, it's just called SciCon Club. And then every Wednesday at 6 p.m. GMT, I don't know what that is in your time zone, I'm sorry. Um, but 6 p.m. GMT, uh, we would have, um, oh, that's that's um, like 12 o'clock universal, I think. I think, don't. Anyway, 6 p.m. GMT, um, every Wednesday we have like a one hour chat, which is on Twitter. Anybody can come in, come join in, say their piece and leave. Uh, so it's a one hour chat for anybody who's interested in science communication to just come have a chat with all of us and, and leave. So you can talk to professional science communicators. You can see the kind of problems they have. If you have a problem, for example, say in um, trying to get more reach from your podcast or your YouTube channel or, or whatever it is you're creating, um, then you will probably be able to like you will be able to ask questions at this chat meet um, and you will probably find answers from everybody else. So again, that community is is a life changer. Um, and I don't say it just because I'm part of it, but it genuinely will help people just kind of if you're not sure about science communication or if you're a little bit hazy about how you can start then i would definitely recommend anybody to come down to one of the sessions and just ask questions just see what it's like and then if you like it go ahead and try it out if you don't like it at least you know you don't like it so you can like take it out of your potential list of careers to go into for example um so yeah yeah, we will definitely drop a link in the description for that. Um, and another question, you briefly touched on it as well, but if I'm a middle or high school student interested in pursuing science communication, what advice would you give me to get started? Um, I would definitely say try out different mediums. So science communication, again, is a whole big umbrella term. Within that, you could do science journalism, you could do science writing, you could do scientific writing, which scientific writing would be more kind of scientist to scientist, whereas science writing will be scientist or person to people, you know, like it will be for the general audience, kind of like journalism. Uh, although for me, all types of science writing are writing about science. Um, I would say try different mediums. If you like, if you like talking, try a podcast. If you like being on camera and talking, try YouTube. If you don't like being on camera um, or aren't comfortable being on camera, then you can always start off with a blog and then see where you go from there. If you like art, you can create science art, like science-related art, like illustrations or infographics. 
essentially just, you know, try it all out, find out what you enjoy, leverage what your skills are, what your competencies are. Um, just just basically try it out. You know, you, you don't necessarily like every ice cream you try, but there's nothing stopping you from trying each one so that in the future you can be like, oh, I don't like that particular one, so I'm just going to do this one, or I'm just going to try this one out. Um, so I would say definitely try out different mediums, try out different audiences. Um, and I have to say, there is no better time to do this than there is now. Um, millions, if not billions of people are on social media uh, or on the internet just generally. Um, you know, we're facing so many problems around the world right now, COVID obviously being one. Um, there's climate change, there's, um, you know, just global warming, same umbrella term again but there's so much going on in the world right now so by all means feel free to figure out what you enjoy find your little bubble um, and if you want to be comfortable in it be comfortable in it if you want to try and do more then by all means do more like there's nothing stopping you uh maybe time if there's only 24 hours a day you know uh the usual problem but again like i said try out different mediums, see what you enjoy, leverage that and do whatever you want with it. So what is some advice that you would give to parents of students wanting to pursue science communication? Um, I think it would be quite similar in the sense of, you know, your child might have a lot of interests, um, but for parents, it would probably be, you know, try to provide your children with as much as a nurturing space as possible uh, so that they can explore the area of science communication. This doesn't necessarily mean like if they're interested in podcasting, you go and buy the most expensive podcast equipment. Um, you know, some parents might like to do that, but that's not what I mean. I just kind of mean, okay, if they like podcasting, you know, help them start out, you know, provide that, that nurture them to grow, provide them with that soil so that they can, you know, take it further. Um, so, you know, it could be something as simple as just buying them a set of headphones and, you know, if they don't have their own phone, providing them with your phone to just record, just hit the recording button and just kind of have a talk. Or it could be something as simple as, okay, they wanna go into blogging. Why don't you try and help them start a blog? Um, you know, there are a lot of things that you can do for free. Um, so money, could be an issue for a lot of people, but there are free ways to do it. Um, to find out what you can, where you can, um, and try and get them to explore the entire area of science communication. You know, this could be in the form of, you know, getting them books, buying them books, maybe. If, if you can't buy them, go to a library. Libraries are a great resource, you know, go there, see what books are there, see what your child likes. Uh, take them to museums, maybe they'd want to volunteer in a museum, you know, if they like talking to people, if they like communicating like one-on-one -on -one or a group on one, provide them with that space um, to grow and to learn um, within the area of science communication. Uh, because as parents, you know, you can't do it for them or you can't do all of it for them. You know, you can do a little bit of, okay, right, you need to start a blog, let's start it this way. You know, you can or you need to start a podcast, let's do it this way. 
but you can't necessarily do the whole thing for them. Uh, so just kind of nurture them to find their own space, support them, uh, you know, just honestly support is the best thing that the parent can do. Uh, so definitely, you know, do more of that. Let them figure themselves out whilst you're still providing them with a safe space um, to just learn and create. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I would probably. And is there any advice you could give your past self? And if you could do something differently, what would it be? Honestly, I wish I did this sooner. I genuinely wish I did this sooner. Um, you know, I'm, I've been in the area for a while now, almost two and a half, three years. Um, and I'm still learning something every single day. Um, what I would probably tell my past self is to not be so hard on myself. Because um, it's very easy to be like, oh God, I didn't do it on this particular day. You know, you can always do more, but don't beat yourself up over it. Because again, 24 hours a day, sometimes it's too much time. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, where did those 24 hours go? Uh, how have I wasted nine of them sleeping? But, you know, get your food, get your rest and do what you can when you can. Um, you know, take off that pressure and just provide consistently what you can provide. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably the best advice I've got for my own past self. Just mm -hmm. kind of take it easy. Things will kind of string together if you just continue to do what you're doing consistently. Uh, the word consistency is, and resiliency probably, two very important words in, in just, just for my past self and my present self as well. Yeah, and I know you mentioned your law career. Is there anything that you miss about that? Genuinely, um, not really. But I have to say it's also because as a science writer, I also do a lot of legal writing. Um, so, for example, I have a client in somewhere in L.A. Uh, they're a law firm. Um, uh, and then I've got and for them, what I would do is essentially take heavy scientific material um, and translate that to something that the US authorities can look at and be like, okay, this person's doing really good research. Maybe we can give them a green card, that kind of thing. So I do a lot of legal writing anyway. Um, with a lot of my other clients, um, some of whose names I can't mention for, for various reasons, legal reasons, um, you know, for them, it's understanding the legal hurdles that they have to pass through, uh, the hoops that they have to jump um, so that they're not increasing the amount of misinformation there is out there. So there are a lot of things that you can and cannot say, even if it's their own science. You know, there are a lot of things that clients can't say. And it's just having that understanding that really helps them. So they don't have to sit there and explain to me why they can't say something or what they should or shouldn't say, because I already understand the legal aspects of it. Um, so in a way, I still use my law background, uh, but I personally don't enjoy being at an office nine to five. Uh, I mean, mind you, I'm still at my computer nine to five, but I'm working on projects I like. I'm not like the underdog where it's just kind of like, hey, Nidhi, we've got this thing. Can you do it? It needs to be done in the next two hours. I can say no. Right now, I can say no. I can be like, two hours, sorry, not enough. Um, whereas 
you know when you're an employee there's a lot that you you just kind of just you just do it um so in that sense i do not miss my law career uh it's also very strict timings like it's always nine to five like and i'm more i'm, I'm a night owl i work better at night so i sleep at 2 a.m i get up at 10 a.m and then i'll you know slowly start my day and i can do what i please with it there's more flexibility um so personally um i don't miss my law my my career in in the field of law but that's also because partly i still practice a lot of it uh if not as hands-on as i did in probably a better way um with my clients currently needing help to create content that also works with all the legal battles that they can face so it kind of works out really well um and honestly it having the background that i have uh really helps um because not a lot of people have the same background as me so if you need uh somebody to write about science and law or like something at the intersection of science and law there's very few people you can find um so you know that uniqueness also puts me in a better better place than a lot of other people doing what I'm doing. Uh, but no, uh, long story short, no, I don't miss my legal career as much because I'm still doing a lot of it in present day. Mm -hmm. And I know you touched on this just a little bit in your explanation just now, but did your law career provide you with any unique lessons or life lessons that you are applying to um, the sense communication writing that you're doing right now. Right. So with law, you have to be, you know, like things like confidentiality, you know, they, I'm, I'm very well, look, I'm, I, I have a really good knowledge base for that. So I know what I can, cannot say, um, with the field of law, um, like if you read contracts or if you make contracts or anything, you know, things like you can't just be ambiguous, you know, it, it can put you in a lot of trouble um your messaging has to be clear in science writing as well as in legal uh, like all legal aspects so i think the field of law really helped hone my communication skills um i learned better how to be diplomatic my email skills something very basic like you write emails every single day but the field of law helped me make those skills better it's not like you walk in and you have no idea what's going on you know how emails work but you just become a little bit more polished in a way. So for me, that was really, really nice. Um, it's also helped. Uh, so one of my clients, for example, um, they were really happy with me because they were like, oh, your spoken manner is really, really good. So we're interested in getting you to do interviews for XYZ person and then based on that create XYZ content. So I've been quite fortunate because from a legal perspective, like that that law office has helped me be the best person I can be in front of somebody else. Um, so it's those little things that, you know, you can hone those skills in a million different ways. But for me, my legal career honed those, like really honed those for me. Um, so I would say like a lot of the skills from my law career are still very applicable. And I don't mean just the hard skills. I also mean like the soft skills. Um, you know how how you say things how you act how you how you write how you talk it's like the little things um and i think 
all of that together has kind of polished me up as a person um, a lot faster probably than it would have been just if I went into science writing directly. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in regards to science communication and the shared microscope um, thing that you started is, or do you have any goals for the future with it? So fortunately and unfortunately, I have a lot of things I want to do with, with this particular channel that I have. Um, I think first and foremost, although I'm already doing it right now, I'd like I'd love to be a part of many more health campaigns. Um, you know, help patients or just people generally, so the people that are not sick but could be sick, uh, to understand things that they can do to make their lives better. Um, I would love to do health campaigns like that. Um, I would also love to start a charity um, for preventive health. So the whole idea is to, you know, have a place to talk about taboo subjects, to talk about, um, so, so, so as a person of color, you know, like my background, like my family are originally from India. And there are certain things that, you know, we just wouldn't talk about because it's just kind of, oh my God, how have you just said that? So I'd like to build more awareness around those topics and make it more okay, normalize those conversations so we can make a difference all together. Like something as simple as, okay, I had a breast cancer scare, me talking about it, two other people that are Indian uh, would potentially be like, okay, if she did it, maybe I can do it too. And it's just building that, that momentum that we need for communications to better other people's lives i would love to work on things like that and i really really want to start a charity on things like that so like also talk about like you know family planning or uh you know eating the right foods it's like the basic things that you know we might know as scientists and we might know as people that are that that understand science really well but there are a lot of people out there that don't necessarily understand it the same way. Like earlier, I gave you an example of, of one of my clients in the field of law who just never could get his head around why his blood sugar was so high because he hadn't had any dessert. He hadn't had any sugar in his coffee, but sugar for a diabetic is more than just added sugars. You know, it's creating that, just, just talking about that and talking about preventive medicine, preventive health, and just working in health campaigns, I would absolutely love doing that. Um, and I think in the future, I would like to, um, you know, look at a product and be like, do you know what, this could be really good for XYZ person, and then just raise awareness around those products. Um, I think I would personally just absolutely love that. Um, and hopefully, Hopefully I can do all of that in the future. I'm sure I can, but it's just a matter of when I will do it. Um, and yeah, yeah, honestly, I have so many things I want to do in the future. It's just a matter of sitting down and making the right time for it, uh, which maybe right now I don't have, but it's it's a 10 year, 20 year plan. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can't, I can't wait, honestly, can't wait. Yes. For sure. Well, thank you, Miss Nidhi, for your time. And thank you to our viewers. 
Um, be sure to check out our other episodes and subscribe to our channel and stay up to date with all our upcoming events and activities by following our social media and signing up for our email list. Check the description for all the links and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for having me.